November 16, 2022. It's the Watt for Pedro show.
for Pedro Show. Might as well mute that. 21 years, six months doing this fucking show and still blowing. Yeah, happy fucking Wednesday. You could tell I'm not man alone because those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got Casper Sonic, Portland, Oregon. Welcome aboard, Casper. Yeah, what's up, man? We got to give credit to Dom for making the connect. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Jill, man, he is a, he is a very talented, out-there guy. Beautiful Really man. fun working with Beautiful him. Beautiful, man. We started the show off with Nutty, live at the Five Spot, 1957, Thelonious Monk, John Coltrane. Yeah. Tenor sax. And we had Casper Sonic, Life in Silo. Casper, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Uh, my earliest musical recollection, I think, was playing with the dial on an AM radio, transistor radio, when I was like maybe like four or five and just entranced by all the weird sounds I can get out of the radio. And uh, where was this? It was in Tri-Cities. It was in Kennewick, Washington, southeastern Washington. And was there any instruments in this pad you grew up in? Yeah, man. My mom was musical. I grew up Mormon. She was a part of the choir there. I'm, I'm not. I'm no longer Mormon, of course. But growing up, yeah, very musical family. Lots of show tunes and stuff. Uh, well, there was a piano in the house and everything. And did you? Did you? For number one, did you jump on that? Number two, did you have to uh, go through the? Piano lesson? No, man. My mom was like pretty, she pretty much kind of like supported us children kind of like kind of choosing what we want, you know. And I did jump on the piano later after being obsessed with the radio and like tape recorders and stuff. I did mess around the piano and I, I kind of was more stuck playing with the sustain pedal than I was sometimes playing the notes. What was the first record you bought with your own money? Uh, I think that would be Iron Maiden, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. And what was the first gig you saw? Alice in Chains, Dirt. It was right before uh, Lane Staley died. So, west side of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at, in school, marching band or the choir, we, we, you were in the... Nah, man, I didn't do any of that you, stuff. I, was, you, you I kept to myself, sang. even though I got along with everybody. Your ma sang in church, but you did. No, man. No, I left the church when I was 13. Because a lot of cats in the old rock and roll days actually learned how to sing in church. Yeah, I, I didn't do that. I, I definitely sang a lot. I, I definitely sang along to Iron Maiden and tried to imitate Bruce, Dickinson, Bruce Dickinson's voice. And I have to say, I was pretty spot on on it. What about, uh, yeah, using England slang like that, too. I hear the guys say that. <laughs> top, 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 top shelf and uh, good, good on you. Or is that Australia? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess the main goal is just trying to fucking communicate. Well, what about after school? Not graduation, but in the afternoon. Any bedroom band, basement band, garage band? Yeah, no, man. Like when I when I started leaving high school is kind of when I started picking up alto saxophone and got into the music of Ornette Coleman and John Zorn. And I and I got into a band when I left high school. Uh, I moved to Bellingham, Washington, and I joined this this weird psychedelic funk band called Roscoe P. Soul Train. Was it because of that, you know, there's an album John Coltrane put out called Soul Train. One of his early... No, I mean, Yeah, it's one of it his early... It was a play on, it was a play on words. It was a no, play but on I'm words just saying, there's an early... There, I'm just telling you, there's an early prestige record. Oh, yeah. John Coltrane under his own name called Soul Train. And, and when, why were you in that town? Because of the college? Yeah, I was Western Washington University. I didn't go to school there, but I lived with college. People who are going to college. I'm just a high school graduate. No, I, I played gigs there, and that's how I know about that. And, uh... So getting ready to get in this band, 
you were on the alto before you got to Bell and Ham? Yeah, I was on the alto okay. transcribing some of the solos off of Ornette Coleman's soundtrack. No, no I want to get Shorten. into this. Casper, I want to get into this. What turned you on to, to saxophone, period? Oh, uh, that was, uh, oof. I would say, like, I would say, actually, Ornette Coleman. Like somebody played your record or you found this record no, on your own? No, I, I watched the Naked, I watched the Naked, the David Cronenberg Naked Lunch movie, and when the credits opened, it was Ornette Coleman playing, and I was entranced. I was obsessed. So it was from actually seeing a horror movie? Yeah. Okay. And so you see Ornette, you never heard of this guy before? I did through John Zorn. John Zorn would talk about him in some of the liner notes. I but always like, read liner notes. Na- naked uh, City? Uh... Naked City, but also Spillane. He talked about okay. Ornette Coleman in the, in the liner notes of Spillane. Well, he's an alto player. Yeah, he is. I was very obsessed with him. But so was, in, Char- in so was, so was Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. And actually, John Coltrane at first was alto. It was playing with Clean Head, Eddie Clean Head Vincent. Yeah, John is great. John is so fucking great, man. To uh, and then he went up a notch higher. That right, the soprano. Yeah. But uh, let's get back to this band. Do you remember the first gig (laughs) you did? No, the the one that had Soul Train in the name. Did you remember the first gig you did? Well, how did you get in that band? Uh, I just with roommates, man. Just roommates formed the band, and I just got in there. Let's back up a little. I didn't finish up with that Cronenberg. Uh, Mr. Cronenberg, you see in his movie that title. So do you go and go buy a, a saxophone or do you got, try to meet some people who play or what? No, man, I'm I'm kind of a hermit. I just, I rented, my dad rented an alto saxophone and I just studied by myself in my room. Oh, so right, right away. And did you, did you know what he was playing? Oh, yeah. You knew it was alto? He played some plastic. Chords yeah, too. I did. I did know it was alto. Yeah, because I'm familiar with its range. Yeah, yeah. Cat and Ball Adderley, great alto cat. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, had the chops for sure. We lost him too young. So, uh, so, do you remember the guy you took lessons from? I only took one lesson, and okay. that lesson was on how it was uh, notationally transcribed. And when I found out that it wasn't in C, I was very sad. B flat? E flat, yeah. E, e flat. Cause, yeah, uh, I cause, think. Uh, well, tenor, I know, is B flat. Yeah, it's E flat. Yeah, yeah, E flat. Okay, okay. So that would be a fifth if it's to be okay. Yeah, so, I was so, so pumped. <laughs> that it was, you know, there are concert saxes, though. There's concert trumpets, too, but they don't sound Yeah. Like I think John Philip Sousa, that shit kind of music, used it. Yeah, so, my grandfather had one. You know, the transcribing thing is a trip because Joe Biza, you know, Sacred Trust guitar player, he mm-hmm. gets in a band. He's really a visual artist, but because of this punk thing in the 70s, everybody's joining bands, and within a couple years, he's transcribing... Charlie Parker solos for the guitar. So, wow. so is that kind of your trajectory? You're actually taking because uh, the way uh, Ornette don't play a lot of changes. He's doing a, everybody's got their own melodies going, right? Yeah, he's just a bluesman that just kind of moves around freely. Right. So you would learn his heads. Yeah, I would learn the heads, but um, I it was basically. Yeah, I would study some of the solos, but it was just mainly the Naked Lunch soundtrack itself. I was just obsessed with that particular soundtrack. I had the Atlantic recordings, and I did listen to those quite a bit, but I transcribed the soundtrack. I bought a CD of the Naked Lunch soundtrack and transcribed over half, if not most, of the solos by ear onto the saxophone. 
Yeah, because you don't really have a band to jam with, right? So you're jamming with recording. I have music. nobody. I'm like in the fucking desert. Nobody right. knows who John Zorn is. I yeah. wore out three cassettes of John Zorn's how, Georgia how, how Garden. How did you find out about Pickup truck in high school. Casper, no one understood what I was doing. Casper, how did you find out about John Zorn? I found out about John Zorn's a huge player in this man because I found him in uh, when I was a freshman in high school in the middle of nowhere. This is before streaming. I had to special order stuff. I hopped a ride to Seattle, Washington, and I went into Tower Records and I found out about John Zorn through Mike Patton and Faith No More when I was in junior high, and also because he produced the Mr. Bungle record. And I was like, "Who the hell is John Zorn?" And I found him. Oh, I found so Naked City. I bought it on a whim. You were a Mr. Bungle fan before you knew about John Zorn. Oh yes, I almost was almost I almost back then I thought they sold their soul to the devil to make that record. It was so genius at that time. I've had the bass man on the show uh Trevor Dunn. Yeah. yeah. Great cat. He's a cool dude. New York Great guy. New York City can really play. I seen him with mm -hmm. one of Mike Patton's uh dealios. Uh it was at a soccer stadium in Sao Paulo, I think a they had uh, Terry Bozio on the drums. Oh, shit. Yeah, Damn. and Buzz was on guitar. I think it was Fantomas. Yeah, Buzz, yeah. So I wow, wanna play, shit. Uh, I want to play this thing that you did with Adrian Snyder that you sent me. Yeah, word.
Right? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Miss the good old times when girls would ask what car you drive and leave you with a hole in your heart. And all that's past is 30 years, and I've slowly grown into my ears. That girl is a number on a chart. But the good old times are gone, the clock's never wrong. Dance with me all night long The good old times are gone The clock's never wrong So dance with me all night long There's nothing more boring Than a celebrity story Empty laughs purchased with gold I ate the eyes of a fish And it became the new dish And I drowned and met the Lord But the good old times are gone The clock's never wrong So dance with me all night long The good old times are gone The clock's never wrong Dance with me all night long The good old times are gone The clock's never wrong So dance with me all night long I can't see the light 
Show start off that chunk with Adrian Snyder and Casper Sonnet doing an excerpt from 
effluvious sup. After that, from Iowa City. Iowa. They got quad cities in there, the corner with Illinois, right? The Ashton brothers for a little while lived in one of Davenporters. Uh, Dick Nignitary, yes, and, uh, Sam Locke Ward with Bob Bucko Jr. Then Tim Hill, his latest record, The Clock's Never Wrong. Brand new from uh, out of Texas, Garrett T. Caps in Nassau County. Rip it, rip out the darkness. Mike Molnar, The Lamprey at Dawn. Tom Bloom, this is brand new, Improvisation Number 2 for Lafayette Park in San Francisco. David Gerard from his new album. And this tune's machine learning. And finally, Casper Sonnet with Sweet Dreams. So you meet these guys, in Be- you move to Bellingham, you get in, uh, it's your roommate situation. Is how, That's the connect for this uh, musical situation? Yeah, some roommates didn't last long. And then I joined another band that actually kind of went somewhere. But that, that then, band um, there, what's important though, maybe it was your first gig? I don't remember where I played with that funk band. I don't necessarily have a very good memory of the past. But did you play gigs before that? I mean, I, I, did, I that was like my first live show, really, was with that funk band. And you can't remember it. Okay. No. Funk, now I'm thinking alto players, Tom Scott. Uh, one guy, David Sanborn, right? He had a radio show, a TV show, Sonic Youth were on. That it's that little... Uh, if you uh, if you remember police uh, shows from the seventies, the soundtrack, right? Uh, Tony Blake, right? Uh, Beretta, keep your eyes on the sparrow. Yeah, I, I, I love Beretta. Beretta's fucking but, but amazing. That, show. That's what they would do, right? Like there was the Baker yeah. Gervitz Army too. This this kind of clip, little alto play. David Bowie did that in his uh, kind of soul music kind of version. Yeah, he, that's right. He did. Yeah, so I'm wondering, right? Golden years. Uh, and then one with John Lennon, where they uh, borrowed a Jim Brown lick, uh, Fame. Fame. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's a one-part tune. I like those. One-part tune. Oh, yeah. So so, so this band don't last long. What's the next musical situation you get into, Casper? I go into, before I move away from uh, Bellingham in 99, I joined this band called Eureka Farm that got on Stone Gossard's label, Loose Groove. And I did a record with them called The View, and they were called Eureka Farm. Who? There's some buddies of theirs I played with that they had a sax guy. What was his name? Screets or? I don't Bugger. know. Bugger. Skarek. Skarek. That's Skarek. his name. He also helped Les, Les, Les Claypool out. Yeah, I think it was called Critter Buggin'. Yeah, he's still do- Critter's Buggin'. He's still doing shit. I like this band called Crack Sabbath okay. that he did. That was pretty cool. But is Stone and that anything to do with that stuff? No. Okay. I don't, uh, no, Stone Gossard wasn't really involved with uh, Skerek's projects. No, but your 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 project, the one you got involved with. Oh no, no! Like with Eureka Farm, we were label mates with Queens of the Stone Age before they got there. We almost were label mates with Frank Black, but um, it was kind of an unsuc- unsuccessful run. Um, they didn't do a very good job on promotion, and the band just kind of flopped. Did you get you know them being in Seattle? You played more than Bellingham. Or were they? A yeah, band I played in Seattle. Yeah, I played in Seattle quite a okay, bit. It was yeah, a Seattle band. But did you guys tour? Yeah, we did. We did a we did like a West Coast Midwestern tour. And those um, I five tour right. So so that's like yeah. your first. That's your first touring and stuff. Yeah, that was in '99. I was around '99. It was my first actual tour. It was kind of brutal. It was really hard for me. But but 
you being your first one, weren't you a little excited? Yeah, I was definitely super excited. Oh, okay. I mean, I had a good time overall. It was a definitely a learning experience. <laughs> if you call tour more than a month, I just did my 67th one. So. Jesus, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, I have to be at this only age, I dream of doing stuff like that. Only 67 more to go. You can make it happen, Casper. So, so what happened? Thanks, you said there wasn't... There wasn't good promotion. Does, yeah, does the uh, band yeah, end up uh, breaking up? The band fell up. Yeah, the band kind of fell apart. The drummer was Jason McGurr, and Jason went to go be the drummer for Death Cab for Cutie, and then I followed the lead singer, the songwriter, to Moscow, Idaho. Whoa, that's way up north. Yeah, and uh, a lot of gigs there. Uh, not particularly. <laughs> I, I drove through. Uh, was I ninety four and. Yeah, whoa, that's there's that pass when you're going into Washington State. You know, it could be August and it snowed out. Yeah, that's when I went from like being obsessed about jazz music and then straight into contemporary classical composition and chamber ensembles and things like that. I got started to leave away, started to started to dissipate from the saxophone a bit. Yeah, I was going to say because there ain't a lot of they don't something about the timber or. There's something no, that, I just it was it was just it was monophonic. No, it wasn't polyphonic. No, but the, just, no, but you know they got trumpets and shit, but they don't let them in the symphonies. There's something about their, their the the way the notes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I did use the saxophone in a compositional way. Like I, I did all these like strange, weird pieces, these improvisational pieces at um, the university there, University of Idaho. I I oh, so, like so what, four why, track. Sorry, while you were in Moscow, you were doing higher education with music. No, I was still. I'm primarily self-taught. I just basically lived and worked at a Euro restaurant and just kind of like spent most of my time in the practice rooms at the school. I, I I've never had a formal education. I've always no, just gleaned uh, off of everyone else. Yeah, but that's a, kind of a classroom. It's more of like a do it yourself. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, very Take very DIY. I'm a very DIY. There must have been cats in those prac rooms that were going to school, and you could get stuff off them, maybe. No, I just use it as a place to oh, com- you were kind of compose and and I, and I would see some I would see some performances. It was it was very open back then. Ah, but were you like more man alone? I was very man alone because I kind of knew what I wanted, and yeah. I was studying Legaty and Kurtog and Feldman, and I just kind of knew what I wanted, even though I didn't understand. Even though I was grappling and trying to teach myself composition and how to write on staff and all that kind of thing and how to orchestrate. Yeah, but you, so, know, you was, know, like, for example, you know, I'm on my sixth uh, John Coltrane bio now, and there was periods in his life where he had to join R&B bands. He said, the less you play, mm-hmm. the more they like it. So mm-hmm. you didn't really have to do that, right? You're going to hold out for your music. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. You know well. what I mean? Like, be, you know, for a while there, maybe ska was just ending. Remember the guys in brass could finally be in rock and roll bands when that ska thing hit for a few years with the Warp Tour. Yeah. <laughs> I, just want, I, I just want to mention one more sax player that was very important to me that kind of was my bridge into the into the contemporary world was Eric Dolphy. Oh, I was yeah. very, very, towards the end of my jazz obsession, and I was just so obsessed now, with Eric You Dolphy. know, he was from Watts down here in SoCal, yeah. and his father build him a prac pad in the backyard. He did alto, bass, clarinet, and, and flute. In the pictures you see John Coltrane playing flute, that's his mob because he didn't know he was a diabetic, you know, and he 
Yeah, he didn't know that. And bittersweet, it's fun to tell you, I was born in Los Angeles. Ah, ain't that a trip? So, okay. Third, third, third generation, third generation okay. Angelian, technically. Okay, okay. Well, then you share that with Eric Dolphy. He's a, a junior, too. But, you know, he was mm -hmm. a huge uh, friend to John Coltrane. And he arranged sort of Africa oh, yeah. Brass, the first Impulse album. And, uh, That's right. You know what he said his, his biggest inspiration was? Birds. He liked mm -hmm. listening mm -hmm. to birds. Just like Messe on. <laughs> totally. So, okay, how long are you in Moscow, Idaho? I was in Moscow for a year, and then I moved to Portland, Oregon in 2000. Okay. And, and have you been there ever since? I've been in Portland ever since. However, I did do a very short stint in Los Angeles. Which is the original hometown. <laughs> it is. It was good to be there, man. I miss it. I miss it. It feels like home. But it's also like the southeastern desert in Washington because it was half Latino, half white. So it reminded me of home. I say even more. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right. I live in Pedro, <laughs> San Pedro. Yeah. But, but the cats who live here, Pedro. Actually, yeah. they, even the Latin guys say Pedro. I think it's like a test because if you say Pedro, we know you've never been here. <laughs> <Fuck you. laughs> they, they told me it came from. Well, I came here when I was. <laughs> I came here when That's I, really good. That's I came good. here when I was nine from Virginia. So I, I'm not really from here. But they, what they told me was, I've been here 54 years. 50, no, 56 years. Almost. So the so, so the Minutemen was from Virginia. No, not really. Watt mm. as a boy was, but Dee Boone as a boy was from Napa, California. George Hurley as a okay. boy was from Brockton, Massachusetts. Actually, none of the Minutemen are originally from Pedro. We all come here as boys because of the work of our fathers, right? But anyway, but they told me yeah. they fucked up the pronunciation because a hundred years ago, a lot of the sailors were Scandinavian. They didn't know the pronunciation, so. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. where it goes. But it's kind of a litmus test because if you do hear Pedro, it's like, well, you know, it's like seeing a flashing <laughs> lights on a car. Your mind just go, oh, uh oh, oh, right? Hombre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cunado. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. Yeah. November 16, 2022 edition of the Waffle Pedro Show special guest, Casper Sonnet. Hold tight for hour two. November 16, 2022. It's the second hour of Watt for Pedro Show.
Pedro show. Start off the second hour with Casper Sonic doing for DF. Sam Bennett out of Tokyo, originally from Birmingham. With Not Like the Other Boys, Noisuka with Fetish Number One, Headboggle, East Bay City, Sock Hop, and finally Casper Sonic with Equestrian Side B. So with the Caballos. Okay. Uh, so when you go from Moscow, Idaho to Portland, Oregon, you're fired up with sex. You're, you're all been listening to Eric Dolphy. You've been uh, working in the prac room at the uh, school. And what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do, you go, what, do you do you try the roommate connect or do you? Is there a kind of paper? We had this thing here called the recycler where you would get them on Thursdays and you could, people would put free ads and that's how a lot of connects were made. Uh, that's when everything kind of started to shut down um, and then I kind of vanished for a while. Whoa, no music. No, I mean I did music, but. At that time, I was just doing only like composition and just and just kind of learning orchestration and teaching myself how to work with other players and stuff. And so yeah, maybe I was musically active, but I wasn't doing any performances really. What about uh, home recording? Um, I didn't do that much home rec- home recording. I did have a friend who had a four track who helped me record one of my pieces. Oh, and I was in a in a very small little project with my friend Armand Bond who was this creator of Eureka Farm, who eventually moved to Portland, Oregon after Moscow, Idaho. He was the guy I followed. And we started a band called The Misadventures of Two. And so it was just a little duo, and we were just writing songs together. Now you're saying this is early 2000s? Early aughts, yes. So, so, and you're, you're saying Portland was kind of shutting down. You know, it was a one-club town when Minutemen first started touring. Uh, there was only... It uh, was. What was it called? Satyricon. This guy named uh, Satyricon. Named yep. George. He looked totally like Carlos Santana when he was. We young. played there, man. We played there with Eureka Farm back in the day. That was a trippy. That was a cool club, dude. Yeah, D Boom went through the deck. He kept playing up to his armpits. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, it was a trip for us at that gig. It was mm-hmm. the early '80s, and and the wiper guy uh, Greg Sage was there. Oh, the wipers! The drummer just passed away. Sadly, Sam God, Henry. I got to meet Sam Henry. Sam is a great and, guy, and I man. To, I, I met him. I used to see him every weekend. Really? I thought his yeah, place was bar, beautiful. At the bar at my father's place, yeah. Because he moved from uh, he was drummer man in Wipers, but then he was playing uh, bass with uh, Napalm uh, Beach or something. Napalm. Yeah, something like that. He was doing bass. I don't. I kind of didn't remember what the project was at that time. You know, I asked him about Wipers when I met him. I said, (laughs) what what was it like to be in the Wipers? He said, well, Mm -hmm. rule number one about touring, no laughing in the van. (laughs) I was like, oh, fuck. Wow. I know. Jesus. Yeah, and then rule number two was, I guess, Greg Sage was going to do all the driving. It was going to be 50 miles an hour. So, yeah. So now you know why, you know, the f- first three albums are great, but they're all different bands. The only main guy is Greg Sage. <laughs> That's some, like, spiritual chastity belt shit, man. Okay. I want to play, you gave me a couple tunes with this collab, uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Mats- uh, Matsumoto. Let's let's play Untitled 2.
Watch for Pedro Show. Started off that chunk. Sonnet Matsumoto, Untitled 2. Larry Bose, Southern Oregon, like Ashland or Medford or some, something like that. It's all curvy. For uh, <laughs> I guess that's the highest point on I-5, Siskiyou Pass. That's another one in August it could be snowed in. Uh, your Life mm-hmm. is only, your, uh, only a Song, Larry Bose. Then his buddy Ray Shin, Me and Your Shadow, I think. He's in Reno. Uh, What's well, Nevada, right? Banshee, again, Sonic Matsumoto. Tell me about this duo. Yeah, that was when I was in, uh, when I moved to Los Angeles in 2013. It's after my first divorce is when I kind of started coming out of the woodwork with, you know, really kind of finding myself and finding what I was going to do artistically. And so I moved to Los Angeles and I, started hanging out with a lot of the people who were going to Cal Arts and I met Kosaway um, at Cal Arts and um, and then just started kind of working with her. Okay. And, uh, you know, who was that cat you were following when you moved to Portland? Because you didn't give me any... Ar- Armand, Armand Bond. Armand Bond. Yeah, because you didn't give me any recordings with him. So I'm, I'm wondering, did you guys ever record? Yeah, we recorded, but I couldn't find anything uh, uh, at the moment to to put onto the. It was just I kind of lose stuff so easily. So there was some recordings, but I couldn't find them. That's one good thing about records, you know. I used to when Minuteman days. It was always they were kind of like flyers for gigs, but then after as time went on, I was like, you know what? These motherfuckers are kind of documents. <laughs> They're not just flyers yeah. for gigs. <laughs> But I was a different person at that time. Yeah, I, was, well, same I with really me. did yeah. do a, a, a complete identity shift after my divorce, and um, I was a different person. And so it's really hard to kind of go into the past. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I have a hard time with the, like my years in Firehose because they were so rough for me. So oh, even, yeah. Even though Hose, I, yeah. yeah I mean, it was right after Minutemen, right? Losing D. Boone and Edward helped me out. Georgie was there playing with me. Another seven years, and but when I, I don't like thinking back to those days, not because of them, but because it was hard. Yeah, yeah. So even though it was Minuteman, yeah, it was hard to lose that. But there's, yeah, it's just different. It's just different. I, I can understand what you mean. So, uh, were you, did you go to Cal Arts? Uh, like. Use Again, the same people? thing, gleaning off yeah, the students, their resources. just like learning. I, I used to go to the, their performances, their, when they do their senior thesis and they would have their chamber pieces, you know, I would, I was very close to the friend named Jordan Dykstra and uh, I would go visit him in Val Verde and we would go, you know, I just, I would just see all these amazing shows. Well, you know, that's, up the, that's on the way to Grapevine, it's by Magic Mountain. So were you living up there? I was living in Koreatown at that time. Whoa, so that's kind of a drive. Okay, a little bit. Not as bad as Pedro. Tom Watson. I missed that place. Tom Watson for a semester lived in a Volkswagen bus in the parking lot of CalArts. He he went there for a semester as a younger man. My missing. That's name. right. <laughs> Tom Holy shit! I don't know why that sounds so familiar. And then, well, I've been playing with him over twenty years, and he was in Slavonly before I... that. So he's a band that actually the Minutemen. Put out on yeah. Alliance Rec. You know, uh, also uh, the trumpet man Leo Wada uh, Smith uh, 
Yeah. Honda and yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's a, a bunch of music people that came out of Cal Arts and stuff. It's interesting. Oh yeah. Also, some uh, like rock people, like uh, that band from Minneapolis, the Suburbs. Those guys went there and stuff. They were connect. Yeah, James, James Tenney taught there. James Tenney, oh what yeah, a legend, incredible, and uh, Valencia, right? Or is it Va- Vis- yeah, Valencia. Yeah, Valencia. Yeah. That's, that's the name of the town. Those hills are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And like I said, you know, and right by there, that, I, I was saying the grapevine, right? I-5. It actually switches over from where the north side's on the port side for just yeah. a little bit. And yeah, and then it switches back over because I guess they were designing the lay of the land. But uh, I, I really think I really think that whole area, Belle Verde, Los Angeles, I don't care what you want to call it. It is one of the most beautiful areas in the world. I still think so in this day. There, you will never find light of that quality and demeanor there. It is just, it's timeless. It's timeless. You can see where they're trying to put in track homes. Can, can you oh, believe yeah. that if they make suburbs <laughs> yeah. out of that shit? Yeah, because they oh, terrace yeah. it all off, you know? In old Italy, oh. it'd be like for vineyards, but this is for like track homes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Life's uh, kind of trippy like that, and, uh, uh, but but you kind of had a good moment. But you didn't stay. I did. No, I didn't stay. I had to go back. Um, I, no, we're going to get to that. We're gonna, house. we're going to get to that. But we ran out of time because we're at the end of the second hour, November 16, twenty twenty-two edition. Wap Pedro show special guest Casper Sonnet. Hold tight for hour three. November 16, 2022, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro
Pedro Show start off the third hour with Murray, Sonnet, Wesley, and a tune called Chonk. <laughs> it's clicking over the Skype there. Rubber O Cement, this is East Bay, with the brutal uh, sound effects crew. Algia Capes issued ceremony, period. And finally, Casper Sonnet with Bones to Cut Skin With. Tell me about this trio. Yeah, this is about the time, like, when I moved back to Portland and after my divorce, I started writing songs and doing all of that. And then I kind of left, and then I started gravitating towards my roots, which have, has been free improvisation and jazz and, and contemporary classical music. And then I got into lap steel guitar. And, um, and so with this trio, it was kind of like marking, you know, really being in, you know, really, really finding myself. And uh, that's a, I was playing electric lap steel. Um, Drew Wisley was playing uh, lap guitar, prepared lap guitar. And Kevin Murray is a drummer. They're both from New York City. Um, and so he was playing a bass drum on the floor, 32-inch concert bass drum on the floor with various objects. Well, on the floor, so, but you're probably saying... Yeah, on the floor. Yeah, yeah, but it's on the floor usually. But you're probably saying it was oriented with the skins pointing towards the overhead and the deck instead of bulkheads. Yeah, I was literally just on the floor on like, 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 like blocks a, with a bunch of crap on it. Like a, uh, a floor tom without legs. Yeah, basically like a floor tom, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, and, and coincidentally, I just converted that drum into a floor tom, and I've been practicing percussion myself. You, you know, uh, we didn't talk about Adrian Snyder, so it, it don't totally leave my mind. What was that uh, duet about? That's a project with him called uh, Fluvia Supper. Yeah. Um, and it was just basically my me paying homage to a lot of my favorite uh, war metal, death metal bands like Piss Grave and and uh, Human Effluence and uh, Macerated Stillbirth. I just kind of wanted to kind of like gather that that really intense visceral energy of metal and put it into a in, in improvisational realm. And, and, and it's very similar to what John was doing, John Zorn. And why Adrian? What was your connect with him? Because it, because of his goddamn kick foot, his ah. kick foot, man, just brutal. I didn't, and and he, he you has know who's got a good kick? You know, you know that kind of music. Who's got a great kick? Is fucking uh, Lombardo, Tom. Uh, oh hell yeah, uh, Dave Lombardo. Dave Lombardo, hell yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I saw him play. Yeah, he's but a, but he's still, he's so he plays so relaxed, but he can beat the fuck. Out he of, does. Oh my god, he does. He's such a he's a freak, like in painkiller, especially execution ground. I could like play the drum beats right now, at least from certain segments of that record. <laughs> so okay, you get back to Portland and now. You you say you're feeling free jazz, but you get into lap steel. I don't know a lot of lap steel dudes doing free jazz. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just it uh, it happened, and it just it, it's just I don't know, man. Just something, some sort of voice took over, and I've just been kind of like gravitated because I just love keyboard, and I love I love having. I think the lap steel kind of takes in the saxophone it takes in the keyboard it takes yeah. in the drums it's yeah. an instrument that allows me to make so many sounds and i've seen a lot of people play lap prepared lap guitar like like my one of my hugest heroes is zach durup he's from philly yeah and yeah. uh just shredders and just i love noise yeah yeah and the logato thing right as long as you yeah. hold that what do you use uh glass or metal 
I use um, sometimes I weave. Uh, I, I I've kind of I, I kind of like make custom metal implements for for my lap steel. If you look at me play, it looks like I have like surgery tools next to me. These shiny, beautiful, weird metal devices that I've sculpted and changed and done things with. I use a violin bow sometimes. For for the the, you mean for the the the. the... Uh, for the lap seal, yeah, I'll, I'll weave metal. Oh, for that side, and, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I'm just smashing shit into my pickup. Like, I'm a lap seal player, dude, and I have a fucking, I have a fucking Diadario Invader. Like, that's my pickup, bro. Like, I use an Invader. You know what I mean? Like, that's my pickup, man. Oh, totally overwhelmed. Fuck the shit. other pickup. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's all like Megadeth, Metallica shit. <laughs> who, who, who's this Joel Nelson cat? Joe Nelson is a guy who studied with Fred Frith and Zena Parkins. He studied at Mills. He just moved here to Portland from Alabama. Okay. He did his thesis on LaDonna Smith and Davey Williams. He's a fucking really nice dude. Okay, okay. Mills College. That almost closed. They kept it open. It did. Yeah, thank God. Let's listen to Tune in Tokyo. <laughs>
grazie.
lot for Pedro. So last music for this edition. Starting to chunk off. Tone in Tokyo. Joe Nelson. Casper Sonnet. Then we had Tolem with the Sicilian Improvisers Orchestra. Something live called... Well, it's the first part of two parts. Next episode tomorrow we'll hear the other one. Omni... Omni... Trippy word. <coughs> part one or two. And then finally... Grust one, and this has got Aaron Gooney and Casper Sun. Good day. Good day, uh, French. Sorry, pardon. So, uh, enlighten us. So, around that time, like with Grust and with Joel and all these projects, at that time, I was starting to host a series called Discordance that was kind of putting together free improvisation and harsh noise together on bills and various venues. Grust was a project I did with Aaron, and Aaron is a noise artist who lives here in Portland. He's kind of an up-and-coming talent, I think, who's really trying to, to trying to, uh, you know, really express some new avenues of those sounds, usually from Jeff German. He's also a noise legend. And uh, what are the main pads that you you were put? You say you put on uh, bills. I'm sorry, what was that question? Like like every time, now I'm a touring act and stuff, but the last couple of times I've been in Portland, I've played Mississippi Studios, Mississippi Nights. Oh, you're talking about, talking about places to play, like venues? Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, I would have them at a church. I had them at St. Philip Neri at this Catholic church, and I would have people come upstairs to this crazy, old, dilapidated, haunted church. Yeah. And I had the most epic fucking shows that this town has had in years. Wow, and no problems with the square people. Cause no, it was problems. There was problems. There was. I got kicked out. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Uh, where can people find... Casper, where can we find you on the internet? Do you have a website? Yeah, I do. If you want to find out, you can find Casper Sonnet at uh, the, my band camp, but also, most importantly, um, my record label, which is called AndromicheRecords.com. Spell so it. if you look up Andromache Records there, and that you should Casper, find me there. please spell that URL. Andromache is uh, A-N-D, sorry, it's, it's A-N-D-R-O-M, as, as in Molly, A-C-H-E, Andromache, and then Records. R-E-C-O-R, it's my big tell yeah. site, and uh, I do cassettes only, and I'm very anti-streaming. Is that a dot .com? Dot com, yeah. Okay. It'll just take you to my big cartel okay, site. Okay, great, great. I'm glad you didn't use that fucking uh, media company as a, a, a euphemism for a search engine. Yeah, I'm trying to get away from <laughs> streaming platforms. I, I actually listen to cassettes in my car. Cassettes? So have you, oh, got, damn, have you gotten into uh, recording with cassettes at home, like four tracks? Yeah, I have a stack of Pioneers. I do all my own dubbing on my label. I do CDs, oh, okay. but... Okay. I really try to do mostly tape releases. So are you familiar with the cassette movement in the 80s with Al Margolis? A little bit, yeah. There was I had him on the show, and I've, I've gotten to collaborate with him. And, and incredible, because it was a, a community within a community. I, I just love it. It was. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning how to be a part of that community, by the way. But if things have gotten so exclusive now, people... 
I don't know. It's just a different time. I think in the eighties, everything was really, it was, it was just a different time now than it was then. Well, of course it's like 40 years later, <laughs> but, yeah, some... but things are like, things are getting so much more exclusive and people are, I feel are just so divided. They're on their own little segment, little, little sections. Oh yeah. For people to, to, to people to cross over and people feel, Oh no, it's just, maybe it's just my own imagination, but I just think well, it's not as open. I as think it's probably part of both because you got your own world and then you're living within a world. And then that's popular yeah. with cats who would have their own world. What do you got next plan next uh, musically? Uh, basically just, uh, I think uh, i got something going on with this guy named Lauren Chase. It's just, it's basically a lot of the stuff that I just sent you, like with Joel Nelson, they got a release and then with Adrian Snyder uh, with our band of Fluvia Supper. I got something yeah. from Ben Glass that's coming. He's in Berlin right now. Yeah. Uh, Shane McDonald, who's a noise artist here in Portland, really we're releasing something from him yeah. in January. Great, great. Well, look, when the invites open, wherever you want back on the show and bring, play your new music with whoever your collabs or your, you yourself. Oh, and, and something with Tom Jill too. We're, I would Tom love to hear you and Tom. Well. I would love to hear you yeah. and Tom. Thank we got again. It's, thank him for the connect. So look, can't wait till you're back on the show. Okay, thank you, Casper. All right, thank you, Tom. It's what, but. Tom, it's via Tom. <laughs> thank you. No, no, thank you. So sorry, Mike, Mike, Mike. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm fucking Big love. It's November 16, 2022 edition. Wap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.